Thank you for connecting to the Bethany Chapel Sermon Link. Our prayer is that you will find the following sermon helpful and inspiring for your spiritual journey. If you are a visitor to this resource, or if you've not attended our church, we would love to meet you in person. Our vision at Bethany Chapel is opening doors to God's truth and love. God bless you as you listen. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking about the importance of having a growing faith or importance of our faith keeping keep on growing. See, all aspects of our lives are centered around the idea of growth. From the moment you are born, you're slowly growing until you become mature. And even when you are mature, you learn and you grow like a toddler or a baby knows less than a toddler does. And a toddler knows less than a baby or sorry, less than a, a kid. And a kid, as he grows and learns, becomes a teenager and then learns nothing. That's a joke. I apologize. (laughs) And then um, he becomes a a young adult and then an adult and then a mature adult. And as time goes on, we're continuously growing. We're continuously learning. We're moving forward in life. And it's the same with things that we like to enjoy, like a hobby I really enjoy is playing guitar. Well, I started when I was 14 and I've grown a lot in my ability to play since then. And it's every aspect of our life. We start out at one place and we grow and we work towards something more, something greater. And our spiritual lives shouldn't be any different. There should be a point from when we come to Jesus and salvation and then it should be growing from that point on. I found a great quote by A.W. Tozer. It says, we can prove our faith by our commitment to it and in no other way. Any belief that does not command the one who holds it is not a real belief, it is only a pseudo-belief. It might shock some of us profoundly if we were suddenly brought to face to face with our beliefs and forced to test them in the fires of practical living. So I love what A.W. Tozer shares here, and the first line sums it up so well, we prove our faith through our commitment to it. Now I know for myself there have been times where my commitment could have been more there in my faith, and I know I'm not alone because We're all human, we all make mistakes, and we all have ups and downs in our life. But I wanted to share an example of what this committed faith looked like before we dig into our scripture for today. So I found a story that I want to share with you. In December of 2016, a ride at Knott's Berry Farm in California became stuck 148 feet in the air. There were 20 people on board, including seven children. Firefighters tried to reach the stranded passengers by using a massive ladder, but it was too short. Fire crew had no choice. They would have to lower each passenger from 148 feet in the air, harnessed to a single rope. Fire Captain Larry Kurtz said, It sounds scary, but we have a very, very strong rope that have 9,000 pounds of braking strength. He was building the faith of those who were trapped. He was giving them information that, if believed, would dissipate their fear. It was up to each person to believe what he said and to place their trust in the firefighter. So let's zero in on one of the youngsters. His name was Luke. He's seven years old, and he's old enough to feel terror as he looks down at the ground 148 feet below. The firefighter looks Luke in his eyes and with a steadying voice says, Trust me, Luke. I won't let you go. Your life is very precious to me. And, you'll, and I will have you down before you know it. Luke listens to him and thinks about the very, very strong rope. He believes the firefighter's reassuring words and trusts him completely. This is his only hope of getting to safety. 
If he doesn't have enough, or if he doesn't have faith, then he doesn't believe that the firefighter cares for him. He would then lose his only hope of reaching the ground. Faith, hope, and love are bound together. Luke and all 20 passengers were lowered to safety just before 10 p.m. that night. So let's break this story down a little bit. So here we have a fire chief and his crew, and the worst case scenarios happened with this ride. People are stuck up really high. There's 20 of them, and their normal way of rescuing them using a ladder is just, it's not gonna work. It's too short. They can't get up there safely. But they managed to save them, which is great, but imagine with me for a moment. If the firefighter up there that was lowering each person down was brand new at his job. Let's say he you know, wanted to be a firefighter because he thought it was cool, but he didn't really know all the details to it. He tried to get through the exams and failed several times and then finally passed. And here he is, first job, and he's up there 148 feet with 20 people. And he's like, yeah, I'll get you guys down. I'm, I'm a cool guy. I can save you. But he's not really committed to his role because it took him several tries to get in. And it was because he lacked his studying ability. And he just didn't give that chance to have that one-on-one relation with each person as he was tying them up. Now imagine if the fire chief didn't know the strength of the rope. And they were just like, yeah, we got rope. It's new-ish. We've used it, you know, a couple months. But it should get you down. Do you think everyone would have trusted them? No. They would have... If it was me out there, I'd be like, I'm not going anywhere with you. I like it up here. This is my new life. I'll build a house. It'll be great. Like, it would be terrifying. But because these firefighters were committed to their role, because they had spent years practicing, years trying different things, drills, they knew their equipment in and out, and they made sure all of their equipment was in working condition, they were able to not only save those people, but build the confidence and trust in them So when they lowered them down by that rope, it wasn't something that was terrifying for them. It was something where they're like, I know the firefighter has me. I know I'm tied safely and I can make it down. And they all did. See, the commitment and the time spent was really important. So let's look at today's scripture. Revelation chapter three, verses 14 to 22. It's the last book of the Bible And it's a vision given to John and that he then records and shares with the churches around him. And when you hear the word revelation or think of the book revelation, for some people it's a a scary book because it's the literary style that's used is heavy imagery and it's not something you can just read literally. But for today's passage, it's very straightforward. So let's start in verse 14. And to the angel in the church of Laodicea write, the words of the amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this section of Revelation, we led just one of many, but there's a message sent to each of the churches that existed at that time. And some of the messages were encouraging, some of them were challenging, and some of them were just plain out, seems kind of harsh. And that's what's happening to Laodicea here. They were a church that was a part of, of God and committed themselves to Jesus, and God was seeing that they were going down a path that wasn't good, and he decided to call them out on it. And we're going to see why that happened as we work through our three teaching points this morning. So our first one is, God knows our commitment level. As we've just read, it points out how this church in Laodicea is neither hot nor cold. They call them lukewarm. But what is meant by that? Well, let's dive into it a little. Laodicea was at a central location in between Rome and the inland of Asia, and because of its location, it became a trade hub. They were known for a couple of things. They had certain t colors of fabric that they could either dye or make, and then they also had a few medical treatments that were specific to their area that made them a little bit known in the area. But they also were a city that had tons of different places of worship. If you could imagine a god, they had a temple for it. And because of that, it was a place where anyone could go and know that there was something there for them because the Laodiceans worked hard to please and accommodate everyone with where they were at and what they were comfortable with. Which on a whole, that doesn't sound bad, but they did it to the point where they compromised their very own faith in Jesus Christ. They weren't committed to God. See, when it points out that they are neither hot nor cold, it's easy for us to assume that it's talking about, you know, if you're hot, you're on fire for God, you're excited to engage in worship with him, and if you're cold, you know, you're far from God, and they're somewhere in the middle, and in the middle's bad, but that's not what they're getting at in this section of scripture. See, when it references the hot, it's actually talking about a city to the north of them called Hierapolis, and they had hot springs. And those hot springs were used for various different things and were very beneficial to the community. And then when it talks about the cold, it's actually talking about Colossae, which is nearby, and they had these awesome cold springs. And they were very beneficial to the community around them. And then it says that Laodicea is lukewarm. Well, see, they got water sources that came from either a hot or cold place, and as it traveled, hot water became cooler and cold water became warmer and it became lukewarm. Now, I'm sure there's probably someone here that just loves nice warm water, like room temperature kind of stuff, but I'm not that kind of person. I prefer a much cold ice water or a nice hot tea. But it wasn't about the temperature of their water. It was the way they viewed it. So the people in Laodicea, they would look at their water and go, it's usable, it works, but it's not the ideal, it's not preferred. And if you were thinking you're going to get a nice refreshing drink and you put lukewarm in your mouth, you'd end up spitting it just out. So they were focusing, the message was focusing on the fact that the Laodiceans were just like their water source. Wasn't that useful? Their commitment level just wasn't there. They had become comfortable. And the Laodiceans, they were people that had a lot 
of material wealth. In fact, as I was reading about the city and this section of scripture, it actually points out that at a point in history, that city was completely destroyed. And there were surrounding cities that offered to help them financially to rebuild, and they said, no, we got it, and they rebuilt the city off their own means. That's how much money they had. And they didn't need to rely on anything else. And as I was reading more into um, the city and the section of scripture, the scholars were pointing out, or at least some of them were, that some of them probably believed in kind of like a prosperity gospel. They thought because they had so much, they didn't need that relationship with God, or that because of how much they had, obviously their relationship with God is going super well. And that's what they believed. That was the thought that was going around, was because of their faith they had so much and everything was good. But that's a false gospel. But that's what they believed. So when God says that they are like water that their land produces, it's just worth spitting out. It's because they had completely gone off track in their relationship with God. The reason why God was able to say this is because he was able to see their work, or better explained, their commitment level. He saw what occupied the people's hearts. He saw what they did with their time, the acts that they made in their communities, and nothing reflected a relationship with God. Nothing reflected a deeper relationship with God or a growing relationship with him. And although our faith isn't defined by our actions, it comes through the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, you can experience that type of salvation in your life and then do nothing. It changes you, it works in you, it gets you excited, it's like a fire that burns inside of you and it pushes you forward to keep growing and keep learning and to keep digging. But when God looked at the Laodiceans, it just, nothing was there. They were just doing their own thing saying that they were good with God. And this brings us to our second point. The mention of lukewarm is a call to recommit. So we're all well aware of what their fault was now. But I want to point something out. It's, it's easy for some people to believe that your faith journey from the moment you become a Christian till you're reconnected with God is just this perfect straight line. But it's not. Those of us that have lived, you know that there's ups and downs and valleys and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like climbing a mountain, which I've only done once, and I think I was the big down for the person that I hiked with because I complained most of the time. But uh, it was a really good experience, and I learned lots from it. And our faith journey is like that too. It's up and down, it, but it, there is this continuous progression moving forward. And the issue that the Laodiceans had is they found a valley and then they set up a town or a little village there and said, we love it, this is good. I'm happy here. I'm not gonna progress any farther. Which is why that message of them being called lukewarm came to them. But what I like about this message is that it wasn't just one where they said, you're done. You've messed up, it's over. Bye-bye, see you later. There was a chance. There was a calling for them to be recommitted. It wasn't just like they were saying, we're done with you and go away. It was, we're, you're messing up and let's fix it. And that is the beauty of the relationship that we have with God. Is he gives us well beyond what we deserve and chances to come back and fix or correct our mistakes. And it's because God has perfect patience, which is a very good thing because we test it often. 
But I also love that even though he gives them the chance to come back, it's not just like a, hey, one time, say you're sorry and move on. He sets a new standard for them. He wants them to become an active part of the body, to be in communion with God regularly. They would have to actively change and trust and lean into God and be a part again. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was something that kept going. And when we think about it, that's anything that's beneficial to us. Like if you want to lose weight, it's hard to lose weight. I mean, look at me. It's, it's hard. It, it takes time. It's, it's something that you have to commit to, and it's day in and day out. But then once you start losing weight and you get healthier, you feel the benefit of it. Well, it's the same with our relationship with God. As we work and grow it, you start to see the benefit of being in communion with God. It's beneficial. Now, we don't know if the Laodiceans did turn their stuff around or not, because there's, there's not anything there in the text. But we do know that God gave them every opportunity to recommit and to join in the body of Christ again. And this brings us to our third teaching point, which is God loves the church enough to correct it. I've always valued people in my life. I say valued, I don't always show it, but I do value the people in my life that are willing to call you out when you make a mistake. The kind of people that like, they see the life decision you're making or the path that you're walking and they go, hey, that's not a smart one or that's not a good decision and here's why. And, but they're willing to, to stand against your way of life and be like, hey, I care enough about you to say this isn't a smart decision. Well, that's what God did with Laodicea. He said, hey, the, the path that you're going, this comfort that you feel, the, where you think you are, this isn't what it looks like to be in relationship with me, and I'm calling you back to it. And it's because he loved them enough to call them out on their mistakes. Because let's be honest, the easiest thing for God to do in that moment would have been to just let them keep living their lives, thinking everything is fine, and then when they did go before God, him just saying, we're done bye-bye, and spit them out. That would have been the easy route. But that's not how our God operates. He works out of love. He cares for us, and he cared for them. So he called them out, told them the harsh truth, that they were being useless in his name, that they weren't committed, that they weren't a part of it. And again, useless is a very harsh word, but he also gave them the chance to come back and recommit. And this is the reason why our faith in God needs to keep growing because he loves us. His love for us is so real and so sincere that he gave a part of himself on the cross to die for us so we could have that real personal relationship with God again because we had messed it up in the first place. He loves us enough that he'll call us out on our mistakes, which we have many, even if you don't want to admit it. He'll tell us what we did wrong and he'll point us towards redemption. I mean, if you look at what Jesus did and how he behaved in the Gospels, this is what he did. He would meet people where they're at with what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with. He brought them the option of redemption, and then he challenged them to move past it and to not fall back in their old ways. And that is a relationship per, worth pursuing. That is what should drive us as we grow in our faith in God, is knowing that he loves us enough 
that he wants what's best for us, that he'll call us out when we make mistakes, that he'll push us to be more faithful. He'll ask us to do things that might sound terrifying, like sharing the gospel with people and stuff, but he does it because he cares for us, because he wants to see us grow. He wants us to deepen as people. This passage could be looked at as scary judgment falling down on a city, or we could see it as a loving father that is calling us back to a deeper relationship with him. So let's wrap today up with our three apps. Our first one is faith is an ongoing commitment. Our faith in God needs to be continuous, and I'm sure I'm not shocking any of you by saying that, but it's something that needs to be growing each and every day in us. The challenge is that it's very easy to fall into the same trap that the Laodiceans did. It's easy to get comfortable where you're at in your faith journey and be like, this is good, everything seems good, I'm happy with where things are. But the thing is, is it needs to keep growing. It can't just stop. And when I say comfortable in, the, in your faith, I don't mean comfortable in your salvation or assured in your salvation. We all should know that Jesus Christ died for our sins and we have that personal relationship through his sacrifice and we can have full confidence and full comfort in that. What I mean by comfortable is when God kind of more becomes an emergency button where you come to him in times of, of struggle and tough situations and you're like, God, I, I just, I need you right now. But the reality is we need him every day. We need him in the good days. We need him in the bad days. And that's one of the biggest fears I have as a pastor is that I'll just become comfortable with my knowledge of scripture or comfortable with my relationship with God and that I'll just start to coast. Because as soon as I do, I'm in danger of falling into that trench like the Laodiceans were. It's easy to mess up and to slip into comfortability and not really be committed to God. So we need to make sure that we are continuously growing in our commitment to him. Our second app, we should regularly reflect on our faith. For me, one of the times that I do this is this time of year. I'm a goal setter. I totally fall into like the new year goal-setting hype. I don't always meet all of them, but I'll refurbish them for the next coming year. But one of the types of goals I like to set for myself are spiritual goals because that's an area of my life that needs to keep growing as well. So that's what inspired today's message is as I was asked to speak and I was thinking about what to speak on and I was like, well, this is the time where I reflect on my faith, so I wonder if everyone else is doing that too. Because reflection is a key way to know that our faith is growing. And there's aspects of our relationship with God where we can't actually measure. But I have three like, questions or areas that I like to look in that you can physically measure. And if you're doing them, will actually help your faith grow. Uh, the first one is I ask myself, how is my prayer life going? Am I regularly praying and connecting with God in that intimate way that we have through Jesus? Because when he died on the cross, he, he made it so we could go to him one-on-one. -on -one. There didn't need to be anyone in the middle to intercede for us. It was just us and God. So am I taking advantage of that? Am I talking with him? Am I communicating with him? Am I listening to what he has to say to me? Or could my prayer life use some work? And then I like to ask myself how my devotional life is going. 
We're very blessed to have the Bible as accessible as we do. It's free apps on our phone. It, we have it in our language, which is great, but then we also have it in multiple different reading levels. So if you struggle with reading, and you can read it in a lower reading level and understand what's being said. But then also we have podcasts and apps that read the Bible to us. So if you're someone that really struggles with reading or just doesn't like it, you can listen to scholars that have dedicated their lives to understanding scripture to help you understand it deeper. There's no reason that we can't have a good, healthy devotional life outside of ourselves. So when I reflect on this, I ask, you know, how's my devotional life going? Am I digging in God's word? Am I learning? Am I growing? Or am I not really reading it and just relying on what I already know? And then lastly, I'll ask myself, how am I doing at sharing the gospel? This is probably the hardest one for me because I'm an introvert. I fear people. Even being up here is a little scary, even though all of you are very friendly. But it's a part of our mission. We were called by the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. To be sharing the good news that we have with other people. Because that's the thing. Salvation in Jesus is good news. It's not something that people like, get burdened with. It's actually good news. It's something that's worthwhile, life-changing. It's worth it. But then we get scared when it comes to sharing with people that we know because well, what if they think of us differently or what if they feel like they're a project and we can come up with thousands of excuses but the bottom line is God calls us to do this so we need to be taking part in it. And these are the three big things that I try to focus on when reflecting on my faith growth. I ask myself all of these questions and I reflect on how I'm doing in each of these areas. And it's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there are other ways to measure your, how your faith is growing. And, but if you're doing these things, I have no shadow of a doubt that your faith in God will be growing. And the beauty of it is as God works in you and as you grow is other people will see it. So like things like gospel sharing becomes a lot easier because they'll start noticing something's off. That's how my family became Christians. Our neighbors were very devout believers in God and my parents finally looked at them and said, why are you so different? Then they shared about the gospel. And this brings us to our third app for today. Today is our time to recommit. Now, full transparency, when I do reflect on my faith, the answer I get is it needs more work. I don't think that answer is ever going to go away, and I think when you reflect on yours, yours is going to also need more work. So know that you're not alone in that, but also know that today is our time to restart. This passage served as a warning to that church, and it stayed in Scripture so we could read it and not fall into the trap of becoming useless for God. He has a plan for each and every one of us and he can use each and every one of us in amazing ways. And he already is working and using each and all of you. But he could be using you more. So I know there's been many opportunities in my life that I have shrugged off out of fear instead of leaning in faith and trusting in God. And I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that way. So if you are sitting here today thinking that your faith could use more work, know that you're not alone and know that today is the day to start. So my hope is that you will join me over this Christmas season, that you will reflect on your faith, 
See the areas you need to work on and grow in and start taking action towards deepening your relationship with our great and heavenly Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for the warning to the church in Laodicea. And we just pray that we would take time to reflect on our own faith. That we would lean in and trust in you and deepen our relationship with you. And most importantly, that if we have gone astray, that we would come back today. Thank you for your love. Pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. We hope you found it connected you to the God of truth and love who we worship and serve at Bethany Chapel. If you have any questions or want to connect to any of our pastors, please go to our Bethany Chapel app and choose Connect or go online to bethanychapel.com and click Come. Thanks again and God bless you.